0: If he really was just the CEO and the whole time thinking like, yo, at some point I'm going to take all this money and disappear, like how dumb can you be to think that you're going to be able to disappear? (laughs) Like with with 180 million people's money, bro. Like it's, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like you live in Canada. What do you think this is? (laughs) The middle ages? Are you just going to go to another kingdom and they don't even know who you are? Like, I don't understand, bro. Like this is insanity.
1: everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie, and today I am joined by my two co-hosts, Brent Philbin.
2: What is going on, everybody? And Kareem Baruque.
1: That's this side. Hello. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is episode 157, Friday flagship number 58, coming at you live Friday, February the 7th, 2019. So, Brent... Let's get started. What have we released recently? What have we got coming up? All right. So Wednesday, we released a Bitcoin 102
2: episode. If you hadn't listened to that, we basically, uh, I went through and listened to our old episode. And then we went on and kind of discussed what our previous feelings were and what our new feelings were. Turns out Kareem was very specifically right about something. So if you want to hear him gloat a little bit. Go ahead and check out Bitcoin 102. And I'm not sure what we have coming up on Crypto Basic, but I'm the co-host of another podcast. So I, I don't know. That's coming up. That got released or will be released in the next couple of days. It's called The Ancestral Mind. So like on this podcast, uh, you might think that I know something. On that one, <laughs> I don't know anything because that's health related. That's about like living ancestrally. So I'm really just on there for some color commentary and making jokes. But i'm there so you can listen if you want <laughs>
1: i didn't realize we were in the sponsorship portion of the episode yet no no no, no that
2: there's that, nothing sponsored it's just like if you want to hear more of me because you <laughs> the love
0: content brought to you
1: by by brett shameless shillings since the start of this podcast <laughs> yeah uh so yeah we covered bitcoin 102 recently we definitely have a panel discussion coming up we have a few different things in the works so let's move on to the announcement section. Brent, you got to eat a little crow here. What did you slip up with on the waves platform?
2: Yeah. So I feel, I feel bad about this because we released waves like right next to that flagship. So we didn't have enough time to get the feedback from the community to figure out the things that we screwed up and we always do. There was one thing that we didn't spend a lot of time on. We mentioned it in the uh, pros and cons. Only, but they they have an upgrade that was called NG that basically made the network faster. Implemented a few other changes, and I said it was coming up. Yeah, it's been there for a year. So, uh, <laughs> eh, what are you gonna do? You miss it sometimes. And also, we said they didn't have uh, non fungible tokens, but they will on their next smart contract upgrade, I guess. So, um, there was actually a that lot count of kind of a miss to me. No, yeah, I know, but it was oh, you we specifically it. said no. So. There was a lot of information that we didn't get to that was actually alluded to in the uh, in the Reddit post that I made. But if you want to check that out, go ahead and go there and you can see it's in the show notes. All right. So if listen, if you guys are interested in checking out another crypto podcast, crypto source of information, check out the token talks podcast. We've been listening to their episodes, getting a lot of interesting value from them. They're different than us. They're a little bit more technical. They go a little bit deeper dive on things. So if you feel like we're only scratching the surface and not quite doing enough for you, the token talks podcast would be something you might want to check out. They are run by a venture capital firm and they have a lot of interesting guests on there and that kind of thing. So Mike, I know you've been, I know you've listened to significantly more of that podcast than I
1: have. I assume you agree with what I'm saying here. Yeah, certainly. I I found personally it was more of the like Tim Ferriss Rogan style interview where it was a really like good questioner and then a really good guest. They did some back and forth, but you know, it's all about what I found with podcasts is you just have to create a platform for trusted people to come on and share information. And, you know, when I'm looking at podcasts, something like, you know, token talks was actually pretty solid. I, I found their, their information pretty easy to digest and it was pretty open to lots of people to learn. Also
2: important to point out, they are a, they are a monthly sponsor. We did accept a, an incentive to talk about them on the show, but. We wouldn't have accepted that or talked about it if we didn't think that they were a good source. So go check them out. Let them know you're from the Crypto Basic Podcast and uh, tell them that you know maybe they're not they're not they might be too smart
1: for you. But otherwise, <laughs> let them know you're there. All right, Brent, we're going to you. Lead story of the week. There's some shenanigans involved. There's Canadians involved. What's going on? Wow. So this was. I knew it
2: was going to be
0: shady when you said Canadians. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs>
2: We mentioned this on the Bitcoin 102 episode just because we had been reading about it a little bit. And this was a fun rabbit hole to go down. So pause. There's nothing fun
1: about this story.
2: No, no, no. It's not. It's not fun at all. But like (laughs) the fact that it just keeps going. This is insane. Okay, so on its surface, here's what happened. Quadriga CX was essentially the biggest crypto exchange in Canada. And they had a founder, his name was Gerald Cotton, and I'm going to, the, the term, the tenses that I'm using are going to be a little bit weird. I'm saying had, but they may still have, I don't know. Anyway, the, the basic story here is that
0: Schrodinger's ex- Cotton continues. Yes.
2: This is very <laughs> Schrodingerish. Ger- Gerald Cotton here, he died of complications of Crohn's disease in December of 2018. He- he died in India while he was on a humanitarian mission. Uh He was going there to build a house or something for the poor. So we find out just a couple of that, maybe about a week ago, It his wife posted that he was the only one that had the private keys to $190 million worth of crypto on Quadriga CX. And th- like they are Pretty big. This is essentially like if Coinbase did it. I mean, as far as the market share in the United States versus Canada, this isn't like KuCoin or some some like random shitty exchange. This is where Canadians got their crypto. So all of that sounds unfortunate. But then Reddit and everyone else started to unpack this situation. So they, they were having some weird banking issues right around that same time that he died. Crohn's disease is actually really, really, really hard to die from. Like extremely rare. I don't know what the exact rate of death is, but my guess is it's higher if you get the flu.
0: The annual mortality rate in Crohn's disease was 1.6%.
2: Right. So I would guess that the maybe the flu is a little bit less than that, but because I know like when old people get the flu, it's over. So anyway, right. it's it's very, very rare to die from it. So apparently also in India, it's ridiculously easy to get a death certificate like there's a whole documentary uh, where a guy goes and finds a way to fake his death in India. And he like they're showing how this life insurance fraud can basically happen. You can go to India, pay about 450 bucks get a death certificate and make it look like you died and get
1: your life insurance money. Remember when we were selling life insurance and like yeah, it was yeah. super complicated internet. If you traveled internationally, it was like a big deal as yep. far as like what they would cover. <laughs> this is really interesting. They're not stupid. I mean, they're, they don't want people doing this. So
2: there was also another thing, the way his donation, what he was doing this humanitarian mission was you're building houses for the poor. Well, there was legit no reason for him to be there for this. You don't need to go cut a ribbon. You don't need to go help them build it. It was a turnkey donation operation, and it does appear to be legitimate. But he went there for this for no discernible reason.
0: Mm-hmm. That He
2: didn't need to go.
0: And as a quick side you note, know, the underlying theme is like, oh, okay, this guy may have faked his death, right? That's obviously where you're going. Yes, yes. And, one of the things that came to mind was, like, listen, you're really trying to go out that much of a hero? Like, oh, I died <coughs> in a humanitarian mission to help the poor. If you, if you really wanted to make it believable, like, make it a little bit embarrassing. Like, how did he die? I don't know, man. They found him in some, like, super shoddy red light district and blah, blah, blah. Maybe he pissed off the wrong guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, people... Yep. I don't know. <laughs> but what if
1: he's faking his death from his wife and family too? Like if you're if you're faking your death, you're not likely to do it that way. I think that there's a huge <laughs> amount of social pressure not to, even though you're trying to escape.
0: I understand what you're saying, but if you're faking your death, you're making a decision to sever all social ties. Yeah. Mike? You know what I'm saying? You're not like oh, I don't jumping want- no, ahead. no, no, no. We don't know
1: that. Like, cool. honestly, like if he goes back and lives with his family in Canada, would any of us
0: be any wiser? I don't think so. I mean can't In Canada? Probably. I mean, well, anyway. Yeah,
2: so... Go ahead, Brent. I will say the police are involved, so it'll be tough for him to go back to Canada, but we'll see if you still feel like you're not sure if he hid this from his wife at the end or not. So, it gets weirder, okay? He wrote a will two weeks before he died, or not even that, it was like 10 days before he died, leaving everything to his wife, who he had just married. Ah. Okay? Apparently... In an interview earlier, too, so remember, he says he died with all the private keys. In an interview earlier in Quadriga's history, he said that he used a multi-sig wallet with cold storage so that two of three people could activate the keys. I also want to mention, I was getting all of this stuff from, uh, not all of it, but most of this from a YouTube channel, and I want to give this guy credit. Uh, I I can't remember his name, but he did a really good job. Oh, Uh, that's good credit. (laughs) Wait, did you hear that?
0: (laughs) No, 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 because you're like I wouldn't give this guy They're credit. Like, I really want to give this guy credit, but I, I don't, don't remember to his say. name. That's not important, but he did yeah. great. Anyway, yeah, yeah, but this guy was great.
2: Whoever he <laughs> it was. was, it was uh Coin Spice was the name of the channel. Ooh, so, spicy. yeah, he did he did a lot of really good factual research on that. Um, so a lot of this came from there. Uh, anyway, going going back up, I'm I'm only about halfway through my my bullet points here, boys. Like it sounds like we've got the full story. You guys are probably thinking this guy might have faked his death. There's more. So he had an ad. He had an entire interview where he said that this wallet was as you would expect it to be something that could be accessed after he died. The way a two out of three key uh, multi-sig wallet works is as long as two out of the three people are there to sign with their private keys, then the wallet can be activated. They didn't disclose any of their addresses. And not only did they not disclose them before, they're not disclosing them now. So they're not giving the information to the public to say, look, look, he's He's dead. These were the addresses. You can see that nothing's moving. So what happened? Reddit sleuths were able to track down with pretty good certainty Litecoin wallets that belonged to Quadriga CX and were pretty likely theirs. The money is moving. So the Litecoin wallets that they're pretty sure belong to Quadriga CX are being activated. And the money is moving around not like once or twice, not like a latent transaction, like it's being used actively. There's been some other crazy detective work. There is more to the story. It gets even crazier. So there's a so there, this guy who's the the co-founder. His name was Michael Patrin. At one point, he was nominated to the Bitcoin Foundation and like all this stuff. So he's like a reasonably public figure. But somebody before pointed this out. So then when this whole thing started happening, it came. It got brought back up. They're like, no, no, look, we pointed this out forever ago. This guy is shady as hell. So he used to work for a company called Valur Trans or Valur Financial Services where he had a bunch of aliases. Omar Dahani, Omar Patrin and Valur. Well, Valur was arrested as part of an organization called the Shadow Crew that trafficked stolen identity information. He operated the exchange for the dark net that used digital gold at the time to share the stolen identity information. So he literally already operated a shady ass exchange and then he spent a few years in prison released in 2007. He was doing a, he was messing with a bunch of the pre Bitcoin digital currencies. And in 2009, the exchange he was running stopped processing withdrawals and all of a sudden, or maybe the uh, payment processor. I'm not sure if that was a payment processor or exchange, but he exit scammed in 2009 already. So, so this guy's already done an exit scam. So, some more interesting stuff. A group has already started a documentary about this process. CZ tweeted something doesn't smell right about the Quadriga situation. So think about think about that. Like C Z has no reason to comment on that, especially if he's wrong, implying that somebody faked their death. That's pretty fucked up for a, an exchange person to say or an exchange CEO to say. So he said that. But Kraken apparently Quadriga CX was thinking about storing their Bitcoin or, or other assets at Kraken for a period of time. They had talks. So the Kraken CEO knows what some of their addresses are. The Kraken CEO tweeted this. This is a quote from him. We have thousands of wallet, ad- of wallet addresses known to belong to Quadriga CX and are investigating the bizarre and frankly unbelievable story of the founder's death and lost keys. I'm not normally calling for subpoenas, but if the police are looking into this, contact us. Think wow. about the gravity of that. He, he specifically said, I don't believe this guy died and please subpoena us. What fucking company says, wow. please hit us with a subpoena. Like we want to give the police this information. So my guess is he may even know something more like about which wallets are moving and which ones are not. Um, Or
0: or that they might have had a more direct connection to this guy when they were doing these negotiations and maybe they got that vibe. You know, like sometimes you're around certain people and you're like, yo, that person is just shady. Uh, So, like maybe this story just confirms their experience when they were having this process. And finally, last
2: night, about two – like I was going down this rabbit hole at like one in the morning. Two hours before I started doing this research, Bitcoin hot wallets started moving. So, they – they believe they've found some of the Bitcoin as well and that those wallets are also active so a m- little bit more information <laughs> that I even didn't I didn't write down I guess I, I have it but I didn't write it on the outline because Mike I wanted to, I wanted to make sure you knew that or, or you had an answer to your question as to whether his wife knew uh, she, they have oh actually I did write them uh, so on top of all of this they she had four properties that were left to her. By the time the authorities were alerted in Canada to this being a problem, she had already moved all four properties into some way with Canadian law that they couldn't be touched as part of an, a, a criminal investigation. And it is very weird for somebody to do that. It's not like, you know, standard procedure like, oh, he died. So I better move these. So I, you know, I'm careful. Right. It's a move that somebody only would have made if they knew something shady was about to go down. And apparently she had like a different name before this whether it was and they couldn't find who she was married to before so they think that her name was changed uh for another reason and i'm sure this rabbit hole is going to keep unfolding there's an entire subreddit dedicated to this not being like censored it's quadriga cx2 so r quadriga cx2 r quadriga cx is apparently run by some of the x i guess now employees so they're censoring it pretty heavily the end is all here
1: that was going to be one of my follow-ups Has there been any like response from the there there's got to be guilty and innocent participants in this situation right yeah. and, like it's going to be interesting to see how the stories unfold from internally because all of these people are, are going to be under criminal investigation and this is gonna be really messy one of my
2: favorite posts was one that got super upvoted that said "Quadriga CX employees please remember the first employees to give information in situations like this get the best deals. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, buddy. You know, it's super. I, nobody's getting their money. Um, there was another anonymous guy who posted saying, look, I know what happened to this money. He never held any of it in cash. He put it all in Bitcoin. Like there, there isn't 190 million dollars there to get because there was a there was a bear market. I know this because X and Y reasons it wasn't too credible. But you know he he specifically remained anonymous, didn't like verify himself to the mods or anything like that. So I didn't want to really mention that as like a credible thing. But to me, it, when I first read about this, I was I I remember posting in our Discord. I was like, oh my god, there's another there's 190 million dollars that nobody's ever gonna get because this guy died. And then I was like, "Oh wow, Reddit seems to think he faked his death." Of course, Reddit. And I didn't. I was like, "Nobody faked their death to get out of like there's there's, there's no way." And nope. I start reading. I'm like, "Oh my god, in India, it's easy to get a death certificate." I tag uh, Degenerate Brahmin. I'm like, "Yo, is this true?" He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's really easy to get a death certificate in in India." And I'm like, "Oh my god." So yeah, go then going down this is like my entire thought has changed on this. And there's way too many random ass coincidences. This is almost a certainty that he, in fact, faked his death.
0: I I agree with you. And these stories always make me wonder the mental state of the people involved, you know, because I just don't understand Uh, when we last time we talked about this, I said that the only thing that makes sense to me is that there was already an implosion going on of some kind. And this was like a stupid last ditch effort to get out of it because if he really was just the CEO and the whole time thinking like, yo, at some point I'm going to take all this money and disappear, like how dumb can you be to think that you're going to be able to disappear? <laughs> like, I, with, I like With we 180 did- million of people's money, bro. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you live in Canada. What do you think this is? <laughs> in the middle ages? Or are you just going to go to another kingdom and they don't even know who you are? Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand, bro. Like this is insanity. I-, I love how indignant
2: we get sometimes about scammers being shitty at it. We're just like, come on, man! Just <laughs>
1: Seriously. a scam. Don't be so stupid. <sighs> I mean there's a lot of them that get away with it that we can't say that about, unfortunately. Like, I guess that's this true, is- yeah. Wait, how you know? hey,
0: how soon before this guy tries to pl- pretend that this was a publicity stunt? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, yeah. That,
0: like that one kind oh, of oh, bugs this is
2: the feature. I just wanted uh, to bring awareness to what can happen to centralized yeah, exchanges. This is what I could have done. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I won't. And what I really want to tell you is I am refunding 15% of everybody's original money. <laughs> okay, out of my own money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because I believe that you guys deserve better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> basically.
2: So again, man, we, we harp on it. Not your keys, not your Bitcoin, not your crypto. You need to own what you have. If you need to have something on an exchange, needs to be an amount that you would not be emotionally affected by if it was gone when you woke up. Thoughts and prayers to the uh, those that are affected by this tragedy.
0: Yeah. You know, the last thing I will say, though, is it makes it crazy that he could so easily steal all this money with cryptocurrency, right? Like, cause he's like, okay, I just have the keys. I have a little piece of information and I can walk away with 190 million. That's kind of like crazy that you could do that now. But at the same time, th- that same system, how is he gonna convert that money? How are you gonna cash out? Like, any transactions that people can, uh, everybody's keeping an eye on the wallet. Every transaction that you do, people are gonna try to track down who owns that wallet and try to be like, uh, who just gave you a hundred dollars? What deal did you well, just make?
1: I mean, let's be honest, we don't know what he's taken out of these accounts over the years, right? Like, these are only like what the people think is in the exchange. Like this personal funds could be anywhere.
0: No, you're right. All I'm saying is that if the idea is to walk away with this big pile of money because you have the information, with how many eyes can kind of like triangulate every single transaction you make, it's like walking on eggshells. You know, like unless I mean, whatever. Yeah, you, I understand. It's not you him many hear, but, ideas, all right. Yeah, no. we we don't
2: want to be that reporter that was <laughs> like, "Hey, yeah. uh, Trump, have you considered emergency powers?"
0: Oh, yeah. yes, I uh, totally yeah, consider, I that. consider uh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, side, a quick side note: I saw a thing on Reddit. It was like a today I learned that was really funny for uh, one of the big heist movies where they rob a bank. I don't remember which one, but the FBI it, it was so detailed that the FBI like questioned the producer and was like, "How'd you know?" that that's what the saves with the federal reserve look like and all that stuff. And he's like, nah. uh, they let us see it. <laughs> like we were making a movie.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Let's actually transfer over to a little bit of a hypothetical. I'm curious on your guys's thoughts. Uh, let's play the game. Are credit cards, a good idea for cryptocurrency Brent.
2: Yeah, we've talked about this before. And the reason this is, I, I wanted to just have a quick discussion. I'm sure we might just be in agreement on this, but Binance started accepting credit card payments for its crypt, for its fiat onboarding to the cryptocurrency platform. You know, Coinbase already does this. It's not new, but if so many bad things have happened in the, in past financial situations that are based around people misusing credit or thinking that it's okay to use credit for something because there's less risk, in their mind than there actually is on paper and think about if you were running up your credit cards to buy cryptocurrency in even february you're like buying the dip boys can't wait all in and then all of a sudden you've got nothing like and and everyone does that that's going to be such a bad thing you can't buy stocks with credit cards as far as i know and i know you can do like margin trading and stuff but that's highly regulated Very kind of scary to have more people taking credit cards. I don't know.
0: I am mostly in agreement with Brent here. I'm not even convinced that we've had enough time to determine whether or not credit cards are good overall. I mean, to an extent, of course, it's good that consumers have credit and that you don't need cash on hand to stimulate the economy. But at least the the system that we've developed, which is not even that old, credit cards haven't been around that long. Uh, we notice just a lot of like super indebted populations, middle class stuff like that. People have huge problems managing it. Now you have a brand new speculative asset that we have no idea how it's going to perform, and it's volatile. And you're mixing that with volatile debt, and yeah, I mean it's you know probably not ideal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I pretty much echo that. But the one thing I want to add is the fact that. You know, one side of me wants to allow the freedom of it. If a company is willing to ex- accept the risk of your credit purchases and you agree to the terms of those credit purchases, like I, I, I somewhat believe that we should have the freedom to do so. However, as Kareem pointed out and something I heavily agree with. Nobody is properly trained on how to manage this, and and for the most part, you know, most people have to go and fuck it up, and then learn how to not how to unfuck it up, right? And like that's what I did. That's probably what you guys did at some point. Like that's a shitty system, right? Yeah. But that's where I don't know. Like I like the freedom once I now have the responsibility, but before it was a huge trap and like a huge like pitfall.
0: But I want to add one more layer because I agree with you. Like. Having the personal freedom to do something like that, I think is very important and I value freedom very highly, but a lot of times in situations like this, people are not thinking about the systemic risk that they collectively, uh, Cost to society. So, another example would be let's say, for example, should it be a law that you have to wear your helmet when you ride a bike? In a very real, like to me, logistically, the argument that you should have the freedom of whether or not to wear a helmet is pretty straightforward. You should have the freedom to do whatever you want. I believe that. However, the reality is that every single time a cyc- motorcyclist gets in an accident, the society as a whole absorbs a huge medical cost because they weren't taking basic precautions, right? And you could see that in healthcare, you could see that in all of these places. So now going back to credit, should you have the personal freedom to ruin your life with credit if you don't know how to manage it? In a way. But if everybody around you has that freedom and nobody knows how to handle it, you can create a a systemic problem that everybody's going to pay for in the long run. So sometimes there's other factors to consider when we're discussing whether or not you should have the freedom to do something.
2: Like 2008 it is known as the credit crisis for a reason. Now people were buying houses and not crypto, but the (laughs) the... And the end result is still the same. Anyway, solidi- look, Binance is a major player. They said they're creating everything to be around for a hundred years. Um, you know, that they, they're if some I don't think CZ is gonna go fake his death and hang out in an orphanage in India anytime soon. So
1: Yeah. All right, gentlemen, that was an interesting discussion and uh good points, Brent and Kareem. Let's move on to a little bit of a JP Morgan report on Bitcoin. What is this about, Kareem?
0: Well, yeah, I started with the JP Morgan thing. So we have our biases just there. You guys, everybody can draw their own conclusions. But at the end of the day, I do believe that these financial institutions are mostly motivated by the desire to make money. And if they see money in cryptocurrency, they want a good analysis of it so that they can jump on board. So anyway, this is a report about Bitcoin that JP Morgan recently released. And the main case that they were explaining is that right now at the current prices of around $3,500 that Bitcoin has been hovering at, it's actually more expensive to make Bitcoin right now than it's worth for the majority of the population. So how does this actually break down? Um, The average production weighted cost to create Bitcoin right now is around $4,060 globally, at least that was in the fourth quarter. So on average, it's cost $4,000 to make one Bitcoin, but it's actually... The data is skewed between the cost of energy, right for some people it's much more expensive to mine a Bitcoin than for other people in particular, uh, there seems to be a group of low cost Chinese miners that are able to pay much 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 less because they get exclusive energy deals with um, they call them direct power purchasing agreements so one example is for example they 'll go to a an, an aluminum smelter who is generating excess energy and looking to sell it and basically get recoup some cost, right? So the average cost for them has been around $2,400 per Bitcoin. Go ahead, Mike. All
1: right. So the the phrase you just used, direct power purchasing agreements, is the exact word slash phrase I've been trying to convey. And I've looked very briefly into things like this. I've, i want to look into solar power. I want to look in, there's gotta be places that are producing more energy than they're spending. And you know, there are ways to sell some of that energy back, but I feel like in, you know, as a game theory person, I look at bitcoin mining as a huge game of skill and it's it's all about hovering the numbers in a certain way and and calculating and and crunching and producing and because I know hardly anything about like electricity this is I think I think this is a really interesting thing like all of this direct pa- power purchasing agreement that sounds like a like a really interesting thing to me
0: yeah definitely and I think it's particularly interesting and it shows Lack of imagination, because when I heard, on my part, when I heard that the Chinese would get great deals, for example, I always assumed they would be connected to something like a power plant. But here, specifically in this report, they're talking about being connected to an aluminum smelter, which is generating excess energy. And it actually makes a lot more sense that you would be able to get a really good deal on energy from someone who's not an energy provider, just somebody who happens to have excess energy and would therefore take all kinds of deals in order to offset the cost. Whereas if you go to an energy provider to try to get a sweeter deal, why would they give you a sweeter deal on their main business model?
1: And my, my initial thoughts on this were there are now people that are able to purchase solar panels for so their home. And I think they produce, sometimes those panels produce more energy than, mm-hmm. than uh, they need. So my initial thought was, okay, let me find somebody that's producing like 20% more energy than they need. I don't know what the price they sell it to the electric company is, but I know the electric company is making money on this transaction, right? So they're reselling it or reusing they don't have it in a- some fashion.
0: But they usually don't have a choice because being part of the grid, if you have a solar panel, you're usually going to be drawing from the grid when your solar panel is not producing energy. So, for example, at night. And I think in a lot of municipalities is basically by law, you can can have your solar panel, but you're automatically giving energy to the electric grid and taking some back and there's... But anyway, that's
1: a that's a but mining there, rabbit hole. It can not be like how many panels you decide to put on your house is a difference. Like, right. You see what I'm saying? So like my our friend Drew has 11 panels on his house. That's the number he chose. Right. What if he had 12? Then what? Like what? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know how that works. Um, but continue with your conversation. There's a lot. There's well, a lot no, here yeah, that yeah. I'm interested I, in.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, the point that they're making is that when you actually look at mining groups, depending on where they are and what kind of deals they get, You're getting different costs for a Bitcoin. So yeah, in some places it's more expensive uh, than it's worth right now. But in some places, like in China, if you have a special deal, you're getting a cheaper price. So in theory, what we should see is large amounts of miners probably dropping out of the areas where they're not getting sweeter deals, like in the Czech Republic, in the US, and Iceland. But in those three places in particular, we've actually seen an increase in the number of miners So, over the last year. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah. So uh, they're was,
2: they're mining specifically on like principle almost, or they maybe, just don't understand.
0: No, I don't think it has to be either one of those. It's also possible that many of them think it's still profitable to mine because the cost itself is so volatile that they just don't have to sell today. Like they can make oh, one okay, Bitcoin yeah. today and sell it in a month if they think it'll be more than they paid today for it.
1: That's my entire philosophy on the mining. I'm fine right now setting up my computers. I run a, a one miner right now. I'm fine losing tiny bits of electricity on this process right now because at the end of the day, you're still getting crypto, right? Like like I view it as I'm actually getting the pickaxe. I'm doing the mining. I'm getting a gem. I'm holding on to that gem. Just because the, the world doesn't value the gem at the right price that it cost me to do the labor doesn't mean that I have to like sell it for a loss. Yeah.
0: And here's that's really interesting because I think it highlights how faith dependent in a lot of ways these processes are, right? As long as there are people like in the US and Iceland and like Mike and all over who think, you know what, even if... This is not a direct immediate cost benefit transaction for me. I'm willing to take a loss in energy costs today in dollars because my belief in this currency is that it's going to outperform. So that could disappear, right? Like, Mike, if you did that for two or three years and you were still losing on it, you'd be like, all right, I guess I was wrong. And the more people made that decision, it could crumble down or the very faith that you're implementing could last long enough until it starts rallying back up. And that's when you really talk about the psychology and network effect of it. And it's interesting. This is really interesting stuff. The other part of it is I know
1: this is a science experiment that I'm doing that's very complicated. It's above my pay grade. And so I, what was important to me was to develop a proof of concept. And I touched on this in the Discord a little bit. Like I've developed the proof of concept. I have... The miner running on my computer. I have, I have a, you know, a shortcut on my desktop. So all I have to do is click the shortcut on my desktop. It runs on its own. I have the, the website, the mining pool set up to where I produce, you know, the coins that I'm mining. It's not Bitcoin. I'm I'm not going to drop it right now. It's not important. Um, (laughs) the, when the coins reach a certain number, they automatically go to my mobile wallet. The pool takes a 1% fee. I tip 1% to the pool as a thank you. So when, My coins reach a certain number. There's an auto pool donation and an auto tip that I include. The remaining coins get sent to my mobile wallet. So now I, all I have to do is pull my mobile wallet up, use my login and I have my coins. I could send, receive, whatever. So I now have created, in my opinion, a proof of concept where I've created a, a miner on my person, on my personal computer that automatically produces crypto and sends it to a mobile wallet of mine. So now I feel a lot more confident going forward as this industry grows, as things change, I now have a more solid understanding of the whole process. Awesome,
2: man. So Mike is now our mining expert. Anything you need, any mining questions, please address them to Mike Lockie in the Discord. He can answer all of your questions. And uh, no, be I can just know. tag other people to answer them.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, Mike. You've just been promoted to mining expert and to honor corporate structure. You have three new responsibilities, and your salary will increase by $0. All right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that would uh, $0 salary uh, would be a pretty big increase. <laughs>
1: yeah, where do I sign up for that? <laughs> no, that's not true. Are, are we done with the story? Was there anything else you guys wanted to touch on No, here? I think
0: it's time to move on. I want to play a game of bullish or bullshit. I, yes, I like being on the other I
1: side. I would like to play bullish or bullshit. All right, Brent, what do you got for us? All right, the title of this bullish or bullshit article is Winklevoss
2: Exchange Gemini Shuts Down Accounts Over Stablecoin Redemptions. Just fixate that in your mind. Think about what that might mean. Okay, so apparently two over-the-counter trading desks were closed
1: Are we going to give our answers? Oh,
2: wait, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Bullish or bullshit? <laughs> you're really
1: bad at this, Brent. I'm yeah, man. Hey guys, let's play a game. All right. So here's the story. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll go first here. Um, I'm going to go bullish. And I think that they did shut some account down over stablecoin redemptions. But I think the reason that it might end up, well, I'm trying to think how I want to f- phrase this. I believe there's a chance they shut down accounts for stablecoin redemptions that were probably in some breach of KYC or AM anti-money laundering or something along those lines that they were breaking other terms of service.
0: That's my opinion. So I think I'm saying the same thing, but I'm saying bullshit for that reason. <laughs> like yeah, it, I'm, I'm trying this to is decide. Uh, my read is that so this is going to be over the word over. Let's see. Winklevoss exchange Gemini shuts down accounts over a stable coin redemption. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily make sense to me because if you can redeem stable coins on there, you wouldn't be violent in terms of service.
1: It sounds is like it, cause and effect.
0: Yeah. Is it possible that somebody's account got suspended and that they already made it public why they think their account got suspended. And it's like that guy who tells you a story about why they got kicked out of this place this time, even though it was totally not their fault that they got kicked out of another place yet again. And you've never been kicked out of anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Continue.
2: (laughs) I think we were in agreement there. All right. So here's the actual story. Two over the counter trading desks apparently were closed without explanation on February 5th. Now, when I say apparently, there there are two anonymous sources that reached out to Coindesk to say that they were closed. Now, I want to specifically mention a difference here. When we talk about anonymous sources, sometimes they go to a news outlet and they say, okay, I am who I am, but you need to report this as an anonymous source and protect me. So the news outlets will say, yes, we know who this person is, but we're protecting them, which is different than an anonymous email sent to a place. So the, so it's not like Coindesk knows who these people are. They just had the information sent to them. So uh, one of the traders showed them an email exchange that their account was closed. And here's what basically happened. Apparently Gemini sold their stable coins at a 1% discount to over-the-counter trade desks to get them to use them. So they were selling them at $0.99, but everybody that they sold them to had to sign uh, an agreement that they wouldn't redeem them for a certain amount of time. So the the person who sent this email that got their account closed because of them trying to redeem these didn't buy any of those stablecoins. They they didn't participate in the agreement, but apparently they ended up with millions of these stablecoins and wanted to cash them out. I think the implication here is that they bought them from other people on the... Uh, or they bought them from the people who were not supposed to cash them out on the Gemini side, and now they're trying to cash them out on their side. I'm not really sure. They didn't inc- Coin CoinDesk didn't really get any comment from Gemini specifically on this. I'll say what Gemini said in a second. One of the things that leads me to lessen the credibility of the people that have been reaching out is because the only quotes that they had from these people were like weird conspiratorial. Statements like they want to maximize their status on coin market cap, or the trader said he was warned by Gemini staff that redeeming millions of dollars would harm the stable coin. The stable coin is stable, it's <laughs>
1: literally the only purpose of the stable coin is to do that exact
2: job, right? Like, yes, is to prevent that. Yeah, exactly. And another thing, so many players were unable to redeem even very, very big OTC desks. So this guy's literally going Trump on him. And he's just like, so many players, so many people were not able to redeem. So the, the, pr- the only proof was that somebody did have an account that didn't have the ability to cash out right away. And they showed that email, but didn't really go too much further into it. Now, here was Gemini's response. Gemini is a New York trust company. As a result, some potential customers will be unable or unwilling to pass our robust compliance program. This is a feature, not a bug, and what makes Gemini different. We understand this may frustrate some, but this is necessary to build trust in the future of money. Gemini also told Coindesk that the company has redeemed more than $133 million worth of GUSD, over half of the supply created so far, and there have been clients that have redeemed $40 million at a time. So... Yeah, you can uh you can make your own conclusions here, but I think in the end that the that the statement Gemini exchange shuts down accounts over stablecoin redemptions in my mind is more more than two anonymous sources because people would be screaming from the rooftops if this was happening on multiple occasions. They would just post on Reddit, my shit got shut down for steaming redeeming stablecoins, what the hell or whatever. And also the like it but it it's says right there,
0: so t- many players. He said it. The anonymous source yeah, said so, so many people, players.
2: So many. Y- and they didn't believe- reveal themselves to Coindesk. Maybe that's because they don't trust Coindesk as a, a news source but pro- or as a journalism source. But, they, but Brent, it's probably why would they more not likely trust- that they...
0: Sorry, I have a question. Why would they not trust Coindesk as a journalistic entity? Is it because they would publish stuff from anonymous sources without even getting comment from <laughs> Yeah, them? exactly.
2: I was going to say, yeah. there <laughs> You know, there's not a whole lot of journalistic responsibility burden on them, so I I actually can't blame them for that. But the anyway, I I would say this is a bullshit headline, and I already have kind of a not a particular. I'm not super sold on the Winklevoss twins over there doing things right at Gemini either. I mean, ever since they started randomly closing account, yeah. like they randomly closed closed Crypto Candy's Crypto account, candy, yeah. And they random raise their fees obnoxiously. I I'm not a big fan of their exchange and what they're doing, but I, I think they get a pass here. They are regulated.
1: So Yeah, that seems totally fine to me. I I don't see any issues with them selling their stable coins at 99 cents. I, I see plenty of valid reasons for that. Uh, I see plenty of valid reasons for, Hey, if you're getting a sale on these digital assets, like these are the agreements you're agreeing to, you know, you can't just like funnel them around to one like random trader and be like,
0: Oh, whoops. I don't know what happened here. All of a yeah, sudden. Like, like he didn't buy it. Come on. that game's played a bajillion times. You know, you can't cash this yeah. out. I'll give it to my friend and he catches it out. Oh, yeah. nobody thought of that. Nobody yeah. else thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> Uh,
1: all right. Let's move on. Uh, we haven't touched on the Steven Seagal Bitcoin hack or scam yet. But uh, is there a new one
0: here, Brent? We have more fake Bitcoin. I I forgot about Bitcoin. Bitcoin with two (laughs) eyes. You guys ever hear celebrities associated with something and you just automatically assume it's a scam, even though you don't know any? Like Steven Seagal, you just. There's something about him, like yeah, I could see him selling a <laughs> fake miracle herb or fucking trying to get you in a Ponzi scheme.
2: I don't know yeah. why. Steven Seagal, lawman. He's a cop, Kareem. That's he's he's very trustworthy. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wasn't even gonna talk about the Bitcoin scam. We we did see that one reach the top hundred on Coin Market Cap. Apparently, it was like a Steven Seagal coin that that, that was an exit scam or something forever ago. I don't know how it crawled up the charts. Any exchange carrying Bitcoin can go, you know, go fuck themselves. But, uh, the new scam here, and I'm going to tell you guys how much research I did on this and you're, and you're going to all agree with me that I did next to no research and I can come to a correct conclusion. There's something called Bitcoin Hex. I don't know what it is. I don't know who runs it. I don't know anything about Bitcoin Hex except that it's called Bitcoin Hex and Trayvon James is promoting it. So, One, how the fuck do people still watch him? And two, he's promoting it so it's automatically a scam. I don't need to know anything else about the coin, not a single thing. And so there's this screenshot, you can see it in the show notes, but he, not only is he still on YouTube, he is like doing literal like read coin market cap YouTube, the thing that I made fun of. And on the bottom, he he has, (laughs) he has Bitcoin hex. Like, he's he's pointing right to it, like, here, look at this, go here, Bitcoin Hex, and right below that is a link to his secret YouTube channel that you have to become a member of to see. Holy fucking shit, Scammer's gonna scam.
1: Number one, I didn't know there were secret YouTube channels, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Number two... I think I saw a, a snip of this video in Doug Polk's recent uh, crypto video. No, and I saw the Doug Polk thing. He didn't mention this he was this wearing like, a jacket and like trying to look all professional. And it was yes. like he was speaking like a weatherman. It was like super weird. So in Doug Polk's, <laughs> he's video, like tried for a rebrand of himself or something.
2: Yeah, in, in Doug Polk's video, he actually sounded kind of funny, and yeah. it was like okay, and and he said something like that made sense, like oh, be careful when you invest in these kind of things. Like, Doug Polk even said, like, man, okay, I don't want to, like, hate on him too much. But he didn't look down in the comments and find the new scam. So, maybe, hopefully, Doug Polk, he said he's going to be doing weekly crypto videos. We'll see. Usually, he only keeps that up if the market keeps going up. But if, uh, we've been here the whole time, okay? (laughs) Down, up, left, right, ABA, select, start, doesn't matter.
0: It's just Just
2: grinding. grinding. Anyway, yep. Bitcoin X is a scam. Fuck it. <laughs> and as usual, anybody from the team wants to come on and tell me why it's okay that Trayvon James is promoting your shit and you haven't publicly said he's an idiot yet. Go ahead. Come on the show. You're in. I dare you. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got until we get to like the mailbag section. That's it for me. I've signed it off. I'll back to color commentary. Mike, why don't you tell us about what's going on, on Twitter? You're the, you're, you're the Twitter guy. I still barely even understand how to use it. I'm like, an, I'm an old man on Twitter for sure. Apparently, something's going on with the Lightning Network and Twitter, and I don't know. What's funny
1: is I actually feel like an old man on Twitter, too. I don't fully understand how it works. However, I might be the smartest guy in this conversation r- involving Twitter. So uh, recently, Twitter, I watched- Do you have
2: a Twitter? Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you do. Never mind. Sorry, we all do. Actually, you're right, Craig. I actually forgot Craig's already passed
1: me. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) recently I watched a Joe Rogan interview with Jack Dorsey. And now just as uh, an update, Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter and he's the co-founder of Square Cash, um, Cash App, all of, you know, that network. These are. Apps that have a lot of, you know, of the principles that I like and I agree with. His interview is very good. He actually does say that, uh, he thinks Bitcoin is going to be the, the currency of the internet is, he says this on the Rogan show. So that was kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. He said that before. I think we reported on it. He's, yeah. he's very publicly said that at Super least.
0: Super pro. Yeah.
1: Once. Yeah. He's he very, loves Bitcoin. very pro, pro blockchain and, uh, very part of the future. So, um, this story is about Jack Dorsey on Twitter. Posting basically it it kind of reminds me of like those chain emails you used to get where it's like you would forward it from one person to the next. But what they're calling it is the Lightning Network Trust Torch. This started, I ended up I have to do a decent amount of research. Um the guy's Twitter account name is at uh Hodl or Not. He basically yeah. he posted this link and I'm just gonna share this with you guys because uh you kind of need to see this to really fully appreciate it. I'm going to send this in our staff chat. Sorry,
2: people who are listening to our podcast. You don't get to fully appreciate this.
1: Well, there's going to be links in the show notes, Brent. Don't you guys worry. So if you pull up this graph, it shows uh, the very first sender was Hodl not, and each And the first transaction was 10,000 Satoshis. Now, the goal is they want to keep sending it forward and adding like 10K Satoshis to each transaction. And it's basically like I pass you a little piece of gold, you put another piece of gold in it and you pass it on. And it's building and building and building. Now, there are some interesting names in this trust chain. Um, Andreas Antonopoulos pops up. Jack Dorsey was the 151st person on the chain. He sent 2.8 Million Satoshis, which was a ten thousand increase over the previous one. And he sent it to at Starkness. She is a relevant person in the uh, Lightning no, Network.
2: She created the Lightning Network.
1: Yes. That's Elizabeth Stark. <laughs> that one. Yes. So uh honestly so really, digging through here, do you guys see this list? Do you have any thoughts on it?
2: I didn't I don't know where the I didn't see the list. I don't know if you sent it on Discord. Oh, I sent it to I you was... on on Discord. I didn't have Discord open. It's I feel the like
1: there's doc- got to be people in here that I that I should know who they are, but I don't fully. But anywho, so this is basically showing a full list of people that are participating in the Lightning Network. All of these transactions have little to no fees. They're putting their Twitter accounts out there. And if you look in this trust chain, something I found particularly interesting at, at number 124, at Klaus Lovegreen sent uh, 2.5 million Satoshis to at Edward underscore BTC. And there's some notes here that said initially exit scam, but then returned to sender. His initial take, his reasoning, his refund. So there's like four links to – or there's three links to Twitter <laughs> where this guy either – I didn't actually take the time to fall through it. But, I mean, it's super interesting that this trust chain has – you know, list of initially exit scammed. The guy Klaus Lovegreen just went ahead and sent the next 2.5 million Satoshis to the next person to keep the chain going, but then eventually got the refund from the guy. But these are just little things that have happened on the network, on this trust chain. It's currently at 163 and it's getting close to 3 million Satoshis. I don't know, I thought this was very interesting. It's a lot of public figures, a lot of people saying like, yeah, we're part of this. And I wanted to save this for Brent. Because I'm gonna pop a little picture on her outline. You gonna pop,
2: pop, pop a picture? I want you to
1: check this out. Do you see it? It's right under my story.
2: What? Oh, William Shatner got involved. <laughs> That's not the first time he's talked about uh, crypto either. He he has mentioned crypto at least once. But he no, he knew. I remember reading that he like he started talking to somebody and using like crypto slang and crypto terminology to the point where I read it and I was like, well, either. For some reason William Shatner really loves crypto or he has somebody running his Twitter that loves crypto and couldn't resist like
1: mentioning something. So, yeah, that's uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, I hope apparently they're it. they're trying to get Elon Musk involved. Uh William Shatner wants to get involved. So, basically this is really really interesting to me. You know, it would be really
2: interesting if it got built into Twitter that you could like randomly give somebody Lightning Network tips.
1: I assure you that is coming. <laughs> Yeah, I, I assure you that's a thing. Like, it, it's Although,
2: gonna, might make it like steam it and then it might suck, but who knows?
0: Mm.
1: Who knows? So yeah, uh, I don't understand how to necessarily send these transaction hashes to each other. Uh, there is a decoder that I have. Uh, we can include in the show notes. That's well, what William I got here. He
2: understands it. He says right there.
1: Exactly. He understand- I don't understand. William Shatner understands more about this than I do, but... This is super cool. Adoption Uh, at its finest.
2: For those of you youngins, William Shatner is Captain Kirk before Chris Pine was Captain Kirk,
1: okay? Star Trek nerds. All right, let's move on to crypto around the world. All righty, Kareem Get us yo, started yo, Looks yo. like we're heading to Paris for the first story
0: Oui, les France For this cryptocurrency story My friend Okay, so um, Y'all heard about the yellow vest, right? Protest going crazy up in France uh, uh, I don't I'm know not how familiar much- Is
1: there any cliff notes I need?
0: Uh, well, Mike Funny, you should ask Because I always provide background So I A little background. So the Yellow Vest protest started in um, Paris a few weeks ago, actually. And from everything that I've been reading, it seems kind of similar to Occupy, what happened here uh, right after the crisis. Uh, But anyway, it really started because of an increase in attacks uh, on fuel that particularly hurt, obviously, people who have to use a lot of fuel, uh, middle class, stuff like that working class. And in France, you are um, required to have these yellow vests in your car for visibility and stuff for like emergencies, kind of like having a life jacket on a boat kind of thing. So, everybody has these lying around in their car. Yeah. 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 So, it it kind of became a really good symbol. So, a lot of people started going to the streets protesting uh, the French government. Macron has very low popularity in France right now. Uh, even though he won his election against Marie Le Pen, it was one of those things where, like, not a lot of people voted, uh, you know, minority versus smaller minority, that kind of stuff. Sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly.
2: Except the, I know this guy is like, he hates Trump and he's like the antithesis to him. But
0: yeah, they're not really, yeah, he's more not of like similar a, at all.
2: He's always like taunting him and stuff. So.
0: Right, right. He's like a social liberal and a fiscal conservative, more of like a Clinton-Obama-style politician. So anyway, the movement's been going pretty strong. Uh, It's diverse, which is good. There's a lot of people that are hopping on board, people who are mad on the left and right wing. But uh, they also don't have a lot of cohesive demands. They don't have a leader. And now they're debating whether or not they're going to get into politics. They already got some concession. The tax that they were going to raise, they had to lower. They've been destroying speed cameras. The whole thing has been like a big disruption. Again, think Occupy, but, you know, 10 years and in France. So now the most recent thing, uh, there's been a lot of cryptocurrency buzz around this because not unsurprisingly, there's a lot of either on the left or the right, a lot of people in these protest movements that embrace cryptocurrency, right, as a way to fight the system. Some of them have been calling for a bank run. I think we may have covered it on this, but they were asking people to take the money out of the banks to kind of expose the financial system to start putting pressure. Really interesting in um, there's like the tobacco union or something managed to get permission from the French government to sell Bitcoin at tobacco shops. So now you can, in Paris, buy Bitcoin if you're a tobacco shop. And I guess they sell it in like little blocks of like 50 euros or 100 euros or whatever. All these pictures are coming out in the protests of people holding signs, buy Bitcoin, all that. But again, it's election bias, right? Because it's like, it's somebody that likes Bitcoin taking that picture, probably uploading it to Twitter, putting hashtag Bitcoin. And now, anybody that's into Bitcoin can find that, right? So it's like. Right, right, right. Anyway, and then there was another cool story regarding the Yellow Vest. So this is more, this is really just like how the Yellow Vest protest movement is still going and how there's a lot of crypto buzz around it. There's a French artist who did a graffiti mural and he hid Bitcoin. I know we've already heard about this. He hid Bitcoin in the art itself. There was like a secret code to get the keys, right? It wasn't a lot of money. It was $1,000. It already got claimed. Some, somebody found it. But it was basically like a Delacrosse famous painting of the French Revolution. I'm sure you guys have both seen it. If you remember a picture of like a woman in like a peasant's outfit holding the French flag and there's like revolutionary stuff behind it. It's really, really, really famous painting. Right. Uh, and Let's this, find it, out live if I've ever seen this before. I'm pretty sure you've seen it, Mike. Yeah,
1: this looks familiar.
0: French Revolution. It's just yeah, a wo- yeah. like woman in the front holding the flag kind of thing. Uh, anyway, it's that, but with a lot of Bitcoin and yellow vest symbolism. So it's like a new revolutionary war for the French for, for a lot of them. So anyway, I thought this was interesting uh, for us from the perspective of, yeah, there's the all these Yellow vest protests going on, which are similar to Occupy, but now there's buzz around cryptocurrency. Whereas, like when Occupy happened, that didn't really, it wasn't really a thing then, right? Imagine how much. Barely even existing. Exactly. Imagine how much uh, cryptocurrency symbolism would occupy have had if bitcoin was 5 years old at that time or something. Yeah, it literally
1: right. invented bitcoin too, right? Like we let's not forget that that occupy Wall Street could arguably be part of the significant birth of bitcoin
0: as a whole. Definitely the financial crisis, you know. Yeah. So anyway, pretty interesting all around. The one question is does the movement, is it likely? I wanted to do a little research. Is it likely to have significant influence in France? And even though they've already gotten some policy budgets from what I've read, since they're not really like a unified movement, there's not a lot of expectation that they're going to make like an electoral splash. They have the ability to like harm one candidate or another, but it's not like there's enough there for, you know, like a new candidate to come into the picture. And it's it's also interesting because it talks about political organization. You know, you could have a lot of people behind something, but if they're not organized, you don't really necessarily get anything out of it. And that's exactly what happened with Occupy. It was disruption for a little while, but no real concessions of any kind that people wanted. Well,
2: so, buy Bitcoin. That's what they. which is that's what they keep saying, taking yeah. pictures of every sign of that. Every time we see that sign, <laughs> let's let's
1: make our own narrative, boys. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. All right, any rants we want to cover.
2: Well, Mike, I do have something here. We have another ad, and on Patreon members, I'm going to leave this one in here for you. We were we were paid to run this one. Uh, you can check the Ethereum blockchain if you're interested in seeing that payment. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play this ad and let it run its entirety, and then uh, and then you know we may have some things to say afterwards.
3: This is the Z-Man, and I am a basic bitch.
2: This is the Black Brant. And I am a basic bitch.
3: This is Cashman, and I am a basic bitch. Back in early 2018, the CryptoBasic podcast held a public vote regarding how the hosts would refer to <laughs> listeners.
2: The term basic bitches was nominated as one of four possibilities. However,
3: a certain host of the podcast did not like the phrase basic bitch. <laughs> and so, like most other fellow South American dictators, he decided to rig the vote against the basic bitches. The last time I checked... The Crypto Basic Podcast's core values included fairness, equality, and decentralization. None of those were present during the vote last year. We're here to prevent that from happening in this upcoming revote. We are here to prevent that from happening in this upcoming revote. We are here to prevent that from happening in this upcoming revote. On the term "basic bitches." On the term "basic bitches." So remember, a vote for basic bitches is a vote for decentralization and gives power to the people. <laughs> It's also a vote against South American tyrants like Nicolas Maduro <laughs> and Kareem Baruque. Kareem Baruque. Kareem Baruque. Just doing our part to stamp out rigged elections.
2: This is the black brand, and I approve this
3: ad. This is Cashman, and I approve this ad. This is the Z-Man, and I approve this ad. This message was brought to you by Basic Bitches, LLC. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I, I want to make it clear that weeks ago, this was brought to my attention and I, I called for an election. That was brought to your attention sometime before? Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Weeks ago, somebody came on the Discord and asked what was up with the basic bitches thing. And then when somebody said that the election was rigged, I called for another election. I said, I preemptively agree to all re-elections for you guys to put it back on the table. The only thing that I will say to this super PAC that put this ad together clearly <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> that as a reminder... All I had to do to rig the election was publicly tell people that Brent was on the other side of it. And droves <laughs> of people came in to vote. I barely even asked. So, to your so, in the same way that we've called to the Bitcoin Cash community and said, let go of Roger Ver and you may flourish. Understand that picking Brent as your standard bearer was the downfall of that vote. But other than that. Uh, under pressure from political from outside money groups political influence and super PACs I I stand down I I will not be participating in the next election <laughs> the, the
2: successfully dethroned that was uh that was that was a, I dethroned. swear I had nothing to do with that you might think that I did but all I did was edit it like they brought all of that to me <laughs> when I was now they brought the idea to me after i'd been drinking a little bit and given (laughs) they were like the z-man messaged me and he's like hey if we pay you can we run an ad and i'm like what do you want to run an ad for and he's like i want to run a political ad (laughs) about the basic bitches i'm like yes yes you can do that (laughs) that's hilarious um, It's, it's an art form it was it was super well done yep so that was uh that was the coalition that was able to be gotten together in a couple days actually, there was a better music that I didn't have time to put on to and
0: that, it, was not, it was the c man now it was the c man that brought it up last time that yep. i I told him yeah
2: so this is what keeps the show going we've got a patreon a dollar an episode would really help that's awesome. We are constantly getting new patrons we're trying to add as much cool little value to that patreon as we can. We're getting there. We're getting up there. So right now we, I think we've got, uh, I don't know how many we got, but we got two new members that we're going to talk about. You get a shout out as soon as you become a patron for any level. So we've got Andrew Giles, who just jumped on to the, to the, uh, masternode level, our highest level. So we'll be giving multiple shout outs there to Andrew. And we got the super node level, the dingus or dis dingus in your mouth. This Dengus In Your Mouth has joined as a patron. So one of my favorite things to do is put this Dengus In My Mouth. So welcome aboard. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome aboard. So, otherwise, that's it. Kareem, you want to sign us off
0: here? Remember, the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors or South American dictators. They're just- <laughs> Kareem Baruque. Kareem
2: Baruque. Kareem Baruque. Uh,
0: <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I was here with the Mike Lockie, Brent Philbin. My name is Kareem Baruque. Peace out.
1: Peace out.